Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. How you doing, man? Hey, David. How are you doing today? <laughs> uh, Bruce, uh, the Edmonton Oilers have made what I will define, what I will say is a controversial trade. Mm-hmm. And the some of the details are still coming in, but what we know so far is the Oilers have traded Duncan for Duncan Keith. I think he's 38 now, if it, any day now, uh, for Caleb Jones and a third round draft pick. There's some talk that the third round draft pick is in some way conditional. The Oilers don't have a third round draft pick this year, so it'd have to be next year. There's some little question about what the conditions might be attached to that third round draft pick. Um, the Oilers didn't, the Chicago did not retain any of Keith's $5.5 million a year salary for the next two years. There's some talk that there might be other minor pieces involved in this trade. So that there's still some information that we don't have, but I think we have enough to, uh, discuss this trade. Certainly Twitter's, uh, in flames. It's melted a down. Light. It is a light. People aren't happy with this trade, Bruce. And, um, mm-hmm. I honestly, I can't blame them. I mean, um, we've talked about this trade a lot. Yeah. And um, we both agreed, at least, well, I won't speak for you. My position was that, A, I'm not an expert on Duncan Keith right now. I didn't watch him play this year. I don't trust his shot metrics. Shot metrics are numbers earned by groups of players. Keith might have Mm -hmm. been surrounded by a bunch of players who can't play in Chicago and been dragged down by them. In a similar way, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl shot metrics were dragged down in 2019-20, where if you went by them, they would look you you would say they're average NHL forwards. Their shot metrics were below average in the NHL. So I'm applying that same thing to Keith and giving him the benefit of the doubt there. He he may have been responsible for those poor shot metrics in in Chicago. I can't say with any certainty, so I won't. So I'm I'm uh, left with judging him by his. Um, points production which has dropped dr- dramatically since his peak um and his age 38 yeah. and these are these are enough red flags to me bruce where mm-hmm. he was being paid as a first line defenseman it's pretty clear he's no longer a first pairing defenseman when it comes to point scoring and it strikes me the order should have been able to get a better deal here that um they uh should have should have been able to get chicago to retain salary and probably they Chicago should have been adding the sweetener if they weren't retaining a major amount of salary. So I'm not, I'm not happy with the trade. I'm not as incensed as many people, but I'm not happy with it. And I think the Oilers, you know, might right off the right off the top without knowing. I'm just going to say the Oilers lost the trade part of it. Duncan Keith could still work out for the Oilers and be mm-hmm. a useful player for the Edmonton Oilers, but based on what his value appears to be. The Oilers got got beaten this trade, and Ken Holland uh, should have done better. What's your initial thought? Yeah, I'll echo that. I mean, that uh, it, it astonishes me that they've taken on the last two-year tail of a 13-year contract, where the tail was specifically added to bring down the overall average cap hit, and they're just taking on the full bore of basically a little over five and a half million dollar cap hit. For the next two years. I mean, the owners just have cap space and they've just 
um, spent a whole lot, I was going to say blown, they spend a huge amount of it on a guy who's going to be 38 this Friday, uh, who is clearly on the downside of an outstanding career. And I, I, I hold out <clears throat> some hope that, uh, that uh, you know, Keith will uh, uh, do okay in a second pairing role behind uh, Darnell Nurse. Um, but at that price tag, uh, both in terms of cap hit and in terms of assets given up, uh, I'm frankly uh, appalled. I, I think they did poorly. The fact, you know, to me, if Chicago is... is um, is um, it's not retaining any salary. I agree with you. Oilers should have gotten a sweetener. Instead, they're giving up a decent young player in Caleb Jones and a um, another yet another yet another draft pick that they've been short on every year, five years in a row into 2022. That the Oilers had less than their allotted draft picks because they keep trading them away uh, in deals for rentals or what have you and i mean they can't give chicago a third round pick this year it'd have to be next year because this year they already gave their third round pick up in the james neal for milan lucic trade so it's uh, i mean the cost in in assets the cost in cap hit the timing of the trade i i don't like it that the order is now basically obliged to protect duncan keith People are going, well, they probably would have lost uh, Caleb Jones in the expansion draft anyway. Well, this just in. They, they are using up a, a um, protected spot on Keith that they could have used on Caleb Jones. Or guess what? If they don't have Caleb Jones to lose in the expansion draft, they're still going to lose somebody else. So they're going to, you know, they're going to lose a player in that draft on, on Saturday. And I got that. There's a win on the financial side in that the amount of money owing to Keith is a lot lower than his cap hit. So that works out to the advantage of the owner having to pay out less money than uh, uh, what the cap hit says he has to pay out. Uh, but guess what? The exact reverse of that was true when the owners traded uh, Milan Lucic for uh, for James Neal. It was Lucic that had the uh, uh, big prepaid amount on his contract. And the Oilers took about a $7 million bath uh, in that exchange, basically the same amount, but the other way. And guess what? Somehow that time the Oilers wound up throwing in the draft pick in the in the uh, Neal trade. So, you know, another third round pick. Oh, let's get another third, another fourth, another second. Let's, you know, I guess, I don't know, the rationale is we never get anything out of those second day draft picks anyway. But I'm fed up with losing draft picks and, and uh I'm uh, I'm uh, a little bit uh, uh, a little bit beside myself at this particular moment in time that this this deal went down in the way it's being reported. Let me just interject there for one thing, Bruce. Like this, mm-hmm. um, we're trying to make sense of this because we both agree mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. Like yeah. like it seems like the Oilers had more leverage. <laughs> I'll say. You know, you know, Chicago would have had to protect Keith. Now we have to protect him. Now we're we're going to lose we were going to lose Caleb Jones probably in the expansion draft but now we're probably going to lose Tyler Benson as well, like this is this is this isn't like they're going to lose someone else right yeah absolutely uh, so you you gave up a player you were going to lose, um, but now you're gonna you're gonna have to give up another player, mm-hmm. um, it's an aging he's an aging guy he's 38, and I and I know like people have Bob Stoffer of the orders now has compared him to Chris Chelios I just don't buy that. 
and you know just just a simple stat there you know Duncan Keith last got MVP votes when he was 33, or excuse me, Norris Trophy votes when he was 33. Chris Chelios got MVP votes, or excuse me, Norris Trophy votes when he was 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 37 when he was traded, and then he got him 38, 39, and 40. He was getting, people still, at the time that he was traded, people watching the NHL every single day saw Chris Chelios as, as a player who was in the running for the Norris trophy. No one has seen Duncan Keith in that same light, Bruce in four years. Right. He just hasn't been seen that way. And his points production at even strength is that of a third pairing defenseman. So this doesn't make any sense in light of that. Like they, they're taking him on at first, <laughs> first pairing money they gave up a, a player that many Oilers fans think in Caleb Jones. About half of all Oilers fans think Caleb Jones still has a decent chance of being a top four mm-hmm. D-man. About, about the, the fan base is split about down the middle on that. Here's the, here's the So we're trying to make sense of this. Here's one explanation that might resonate with Oilers fans of a certain age. You know, the Oilers under Daryl Cates have been a big spending team ever since he took over the team in 2008. Mm-hmm. He has, he has spent money burying players in the minors, extra money for scouts, um, extra money on, um, you know, they take on contracts that were more expensive. They, the cap yep. hit might be $3 million, but they would pay $5 million. Like They would be willing to take on that kind of mm-hmm. a cap hit uh, on deals. You know, the yep. way they, they structured contracts often favored the players over the owners. There was so much done, so many tens of millions of dollars spent by, spent by Kate's and this franchise went up in value a ton. Right. Like he, it's not like it was a, this was a terrible investment for him. It went up from like 200 and whatever he bought it for 200 million to 450 million US. Um, it's been a, it's been it's been one of the you know in the top half of NHL revenue producers at the same time. So I'm not trying to to paint Case Cates as necessarily an angel here. He's he made a pretty good investment, but he's also put a ton of money into it. Well, things change suddenly with COVID. And we don't know how quickly they're going to rebound in Edmonton because Alberta's economy was uniquely offended, uh, offended, uh, affected, <laughs> affected by COVID. Freudian typo offended. there. <laughs> Some of us were offended by the drop in oil prices. Uh, that's just the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, Kate's may have lost Bruce as much as $50 million last year. $50 million is, even for a money, Money mm-hmm. for a billionaire, you know, we don't know what Kate's finances are. Even for a person as wealthy as Daryl Kate's, $50 million is a significant amount of money. Who knows how much he's going to lose this coming year and in the next few years, depending on how our Alberta economies rebound. We used to live under uh, the EIG and, and Peter Pocklington, who regularly had to had to do think about the bottom line. And, we're, you know, Pocklington sold Gretzky. He sold Messier. think Curry's... He got money for Curry as well, if I'm not mistaken. In fact, check me on that one. He did get money for Messier. Yeah, he traded million. away players. He traded away players consistently uh, who were earning a lot of money, and he brought in cheaper players. That continued under the EIG, you know, who were much more transparent about their finances and earned uh, credit with the fans because of that. But it was clear that they were also constantly trading away players, Doug Doug Waite, Bill Guerin, uh, Curtis Joseph, who were at, at the high end for players who were at the low end. They were a value budget team, and we got used to that. That was at, at top of mind in every transaction that happened. Well, if you put that lens on this deal, it suddenly makes a lot more sense. If Daryl Cates has gone from a position of 
financial power where to one where he's scraping by on the dollars. And I and I'm just Bruce, I'm speculating on this. I don't know, except it has been kind of there's been kind of rumblings that the orders and today in some of the tweets we're seeing uh, from Oilers insiders, this notion that maybe the Oilers were looking to save a little bit of money here. So if the Oilers have gone from this team that was spending money hand over fist as much as pretty much any other NHL team to one that really is just cutting, cutting, cutting because of the financial position of the team, the lack of revenue, the huge hit that Cates took, that might be the lens, one lens to look at this trade to, to help understand it a little bit. And I don't know if that's speculation again on my part, but maybe that's that's what's gone on here. Let me just look for, what do you think of that? I'll look for a tweet that backs that up. Who who talked about that? Was it, um, oh, Maddie. Matt Here's Jim Mathis, who's been around the order since 1972. Jim Matheson, quote, Hawks had no leverage in the deal, but still wouldn't retain salary. His cap hit is $5.538 million this season and next. Loss for Oilers. And for Jim Matheson to say that the Oilers lost the trade, that's, mm-hmm. that's he doesn't often say that. That's pretty remarkable. Jim goes on. Salary, Keith, uh, Keith's salary, $2.1 million this year and $1.6 million next year. That's a win for owner Cates. Jones yep. at this time is maybe third-pairing NHLD. McDavid, Leon Nurse need Keith leadership. You know, that's a really fair comment by Jim. The whole thing, I think, is is where I'm at uh, um, with it as well. I, I see – I oh, he's – well, he's saying Jones at this time is a, is a third-pairing NHL demon. I think Jones might be more than that, but that's what he is at this time. I don't – I think Keith is also a third-pairing demon at this time. Uh, Jim doesn't mention that. Anyway, he he brings up the money thing, right, with Cates. And um, I'm guessing there's something to that, Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt. But uh, um, like I say, when the Oilers had a, had a contract that they were looking to get out from under in Milan Lucic, what they got back was a, was a, a bad contract the other way, plus cap retention, uh, plus... Uh, what they wound up paying a draft pick, uh, plus, you know, and when Chicago was looking to get out from under a contract that's, again, the tail end of a 13-year deal, uh, but there is a cash advantage to, I mean, that was the thing about the Luch deal, the things I just mentioned, the, uh, you know, bad contract the other way, uh, uh, retention, draft pick, Plus the front-loaded contract that the orders had already paid for, and that was not—I don't think—that that leverage was used to to lighten the load that they got back from Calgary, and yet Chicago is using it to get back assets from Edmonton with the Oilers taking on full retention and sending no bad contracts the other way. Like if they'd sent, uh, you know, um, say Koskinen or you know one of the one of the bigger contracts that they uh, that's going to be weighing them down, but no, we just took on another five plus million dollars in uh, in cap space and you know to me Edmonton lost both of those trades and those you know those are Holland's signature trades other than a few little deals at the deadline of trade some draft pick for some veteran that comes in for two months and <clears throat> doesn't move the needle uh, his uh, uh, his trade record uh, is unspectacular to say the least. I just wrote a post about that, and, and uh, it's uh, it's been a while since Edmonton's won a trade, and I don't think they won this trade. 
Uh, we did. I did a couple of polls on the weekend because this, we've been talking about this thing for some time. So one of them was, uh, I'm asking fans, on a two-year contract, what would Duncan Keith deserve if he were a free agent? And this is a really key question because if he's not worth his current cap hit of $5.5 million a year, then Chicago should be retaining. So uh, 2,582 people voted in this poll. So that's a large sample size. And I'm guessing most of them by far were Oilers fans. Okay, so right. how many said that he was worth $5.5 million a year? Just 1.2%, Bruce. One in 100 Oilers fans think that Duncan Keith is worth the salary he's getting. So so you're going to have one in 100 Oilers fans happy today with this trade probably. Although that number will be higher because Oilers fans, some Oilers fans are very loyal to the GM and forgiving and, and open and try to be, re, you know, they try to, not judge too harshly and just root for the root for the boys. All right. And then the second one was, okay, what if he got 4.1 million per year? Was, would he be worth that? Did he, would he deserve that? Only 11% thought he would be worth $4.1 million a year. So then I, then I asked, what about $2.7 million per year? That was half his cap hit, which is what I, right. I was hoping for. The owners would trade right. for him and get half his, and I wouldn't have said a peep. I would have said, that's good. Mm -hmm. That's good work by Ken Holland. So uh, 40, 7% of Oilers fans thought it at two points. So if, if Holland had made this trade and got Chicago to retain half, the the majority, I think a strong majority of Oilers fans would have been in favor of that trade and would have been happy with it, Bruce. Then I asked one point, if he got 1.5 million a year over two years, uh, is that what he would deserve? And 41% of fans. So there's a strong group of, large group of fans, Bruce, very large group, 40, 41% of Oilers fans who felt Duncan Keith was worth at most $1.5 million a year for the next two years. They're really going to be unhappy yeah. today. They're, and I think you're in that group, perhaps. Yeah, 1.5 is, is uh, you know, I mean, he does have a reputation. He does, you know, has a 16-year-long record of playing 23 minutes a night. Uh, someone would pay more than that. I, I mean, obviously, someone did. Uh, I'm just I'm, I'm I'm stunned. I mean, to me, to me, his value is closer to his salary than it is to his cap hit, and I'm just stunned that the Oilers were accepting all of that. Unless, as you say, the driving force was actual cash savings for the organization, which is a complete about face from moves that they've made in the past. And I mean, you're asking about as if he was a free agent. Well, let's not forget here. Not only is he not a free agent uh, by making the trade before the for the expansion draft, he's, he factors in there, and they've given up these two assets, uh, you know, a mid-round draft choice and, and, a, and a developing player, which is, you know, you can't say it's a, um, either one of them would necessarily turn into something, but they are assets that the, that the club has given up in order to get the guy. And what I'm reading is, uh, you know, I mean, here's Bleacher Nation Blackhawks, uh, you know, uh, a uh, you know hawk site. If the Blackhawks are not retaining salary, what a steal! You know, and these are Blackhawks fans that are usually ripping on Stan Bowman for the trades that he's made. But uh, this is the second time he he's uh, managed to talk Edmonton into taking the full fare yeah. on a defenseman he's getting rid of. Brandon Manning being the prior one. Now, thankfully, Duncan Keith is not Brandon Manning. But the fact remains that that somehow. Uh, Bowman was able to get out from under both of those players without retaining a cent. And uh, so and we did another another poll here, Bruce. Mm -hmm. 
on Caleb Jones. This was before the trade was made again. Right. So what do you think the chances are that Caleb Jones will become a top D-man and top four D-man in the NHL for multiple seasons? So this would be Caleb Jones paying out as a player, top four D-man for multiple seasons. So 40, 14% said that he has a very good chance of being a top. So they're really going to be unhappy today. Mm-hmm. Yep. 50-50 chance, basically a coin flip, 38% of fans. So that's fully 52% of Euler fans were thinking this guy has a, at least a coin flip chance of being a top four D-man. So you know those fans are not happy today. Then there's uh, that he maybe but not likely that he'll become a top four D-man. That's 38%. That's what I would, that's where how I voted myself. Maybe mm-hmm. but not likely at this point. Mm-hmm. And exceedingly small chance of being a top four D-man was... Uh, was uh, 10%. So we're split down the middle there with half the fans thinking he had a good chance and half fans, well, probably not, maybe not. Where were you in that camp? Do you think he's, what do you think giving up at Caleb Jones here, Bruce? Oh, a third pairing NHL defenseman with with possible upside. I mean, he's still developing. I mean, the Oilers, that's another fourth round draft pick that the Oilers have given up, albeit a successful one that's, you know, proven to be a guy that outperformed his draft number, made the climb up through the minor leagues into the NHL, and he's, uh, you know, an NHL player. Uh, And six years of development they put into the guy, gone. And, you know, 24 years old and replaced with 38-year-old. So uh, that that is, uh, I guess... The Oilers saw enough of him last year. I got the distinct impression Dave Tippett was not a big fan of Caleb Jones, and he was high on the list of guys to move on from, is my expectation. But, uh, you know, they they I'm not sure they got value for him in terms of all the different elements of this trade. Like you say, if Chicago retains half, it's a different conversation. But uh, the Oilers had the leverage here. And somehow Chicago wound up getting the assets. And this trade last, like we've been hearing about this trade for for ten days, right? And and it was least. apparently at an impasse. Elliot Friedman said it's like at an impasse. Mm-hmm. Who blinked here? I mean, the only the only <laughs> the only way I can think that it wasn't Ken Holland. I think it was Ken Holland. That I do too. But the only the only thing that makes me think it wasn't him. Well, maybe maybe they they pulled Dmitry Samarukov out of the trade. And they put in this third round draft pick instead, which would be a good move by the Oilers, I think. Like Dmitry right. Samarukov, he's more like he was drafted in the third round. He's moved up mm-hmm. those rankings. He he right. he would be taken in the early second round, late first round at this point, based on how his mm-hmm. how he's improved. So if the Oilers took Samarukov out, then then maybe that's not Ken Holland blinking. But it's it's to me like this whole thing, like it doesn't make sense, Bruce. I just keep coming back to that. Unless you're trying to save money. Unless, yeah. unless That's the only thing that makes sense. So here's what uh, Chicago Sun-Times hockey writer Ben Pope saw, saw Duncan Keith play every game last year, I'm assuming. Here's his comment. Full respect to Duncan Keith. But this is going to be absolute larceny by the Blackhawks. Absolute larceny, Bruce. Chicago. This is the guy who's watched him play and seen him going down the, yeah. going down the down uh, the slope. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, here's uh, go ahead. You got a quote. Let's go through yeah. the quotes now that we're getting from Twitter. 
Dom at The Athletic, Dom Lucision, smart guy. Uh, I'm not high on Caleb Jones, but Chicago getting anything emphasized back for the ghost of Duncan Keith is truly incredible. He may have something left in the tank that public models don't account for, but he's already not playing tough minutes and still struggling. Yes. Yeah. Another one. Here's Cam Lewis. The Hurricanes made the Leafs give them a first round pick to take on one year of Patrick Marlowe after a 16 goal season. The Oilers are giving up an asset to get the defenseman with the worst on ice goal differential in the league last season with two years left on his deal. Now, I don't know about that worst on ice goal differential in the league. I think there's worse, but uh, still. Um, yeah. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> and here, here's one. This is about the most positive one. This is our friend Jonathan Willis, our longtime associate. I like Duncan Keith. I think he'll be a better player next year than he was last year. I'm with John on this, by the way. I think the intangible contributions people talk about are real. He's also 38 and has two years left at a 5.5 million cap hit. Cap space is the most valuable asset here. Clear Chicago win, in my opinion. Yes, and again, so this it fits into the orders are wanting to save some money here, because cap space, when when you can spend to the cap, when you have that amount of money, then cap space is the most important thing, right? But when you if you can't mm-hmm. uh, spend to the cap, then saving money is not a bad idea. This is from Oilers fan McOilers uh, on Twitter, and he says, "quote This reminds me how everyone crapped all over Smith being resigned last year." He was too old to play anymore, too. Remember? Unquote. And uh, let me go to Kurt's comment, because Kurt, um, Kurt's one of the more positive, has one of the more positive takes on on this thing. So let's, uh, let's find what he says. Quote, Kurt Levins from the Cult of Hockey. The Oilers' defense just got significantly better. Acquired Duncan Keith from Chicago for Caleb Jones, mid-round pick. Like Matt Benning before him, Jones tried and failed to crack top four. Keith, a lock to play 18, 20 minutes a night in top four. Major influence on and off the ice. What do you think about uh, Kurt's comment, Bruce? Oh, I have respect for Kurt's opinion. Uh, of course, he, uh, he takes a different approach than, than uh, you and I do, I think, in terms of... Uh, you know his certainly his his sources and so on and his understanding of the game having played it at a high level uh duncan keith is still 38 years old it's you know sort of the thing i'm gonna go back to and there's not very many chris chelioses out there that uh uh, that uh you know beat father time for any length of time and it's uh i don't know it's it's uh, uh I'm baffled that uh, that uh, they're taking on full freight for uh, you know for what was you know the extended contract to bring down the cap hit, and all of a sudden the orders are taking on the whole cap hit and throwing in assets. I'm I'm just going to keep going back there, aren't I? Here's Dauber Hockey. This was written on June 30th when the rumors first came up. Okay, so no no done deal here. They say Duncan Keith turns 38 next month. Statistically, he's coming off his lowest output for his career. Possession-wise, he was sheltered for his shifts and didn't do well. Cap hit his 5.54 million next two years. 
No team has any reason to acquire him, so Chicago has to give them a reason. And I guess the the reason being salary versus cap, the cash that's, savings. That's that's, that's really the only that's the only sort of tangible reason that I can grasp here. That's what I thought. I thought I thought I just looked. You just looked at it. You see the drop in points production. You see his age. You think negative value. I mean, I, I, again, I'm not going by the on ice the shot metrics numbers. I don't put weight in them because I I find them um, well. They're just they're a number earned by a group of players. So I don't apply it. I don't go with guilt by association. Goals but, metrics. What's that? Goals metrics. Well, you know. goals plus minus are the same thing. Like it's a that's a shot. It's a shot metric that it's heavily influenced by other players. So um, maybe it maybe maybe Keith drove it down. Maybe he didn't drove it down. I, I like and and you're free to. I and I know you put more weight than in them than I do, and that's fine. Like mm-hmm. everyone will analyze hockey their own way. I just looked at Keith and it just struck me like negative value. It's just written all over that contract. So I'm agreeing with, with Dauber hockey, you know, Kurt's comparison to Matt Benning is interesting. There is a, again, the uh, people who put a lot of value in shot metrics were appalled that the Oilers moved Matt Benning. Like there were some people who Mm -hmm. thought Matt Benning was this up and coming great defenseman. And I actually think think he's a, he's a decent third pairing defenseman. I think Caleb Jones is actually has more upside that at the time of this trade than Benning when the orders let go of Benning last year. Uh, So I'm, you know, it's the the same people that like Benning, like Caleb Jones because of shot, what shot metrics. And I, and I just, I, I wish I was more, you know, I wish Caleb Jones had panned out here. I wish Mm -hmm. he had gotten, hadn't gotten COVID had a better season this year. And, and it worked out. I thought he was going to be a top 40 D man this year. I thought he'd step in by Adam Larson and earn that job. And he just, he took a little bit of, he was wobbly and wavering and he took a step back. And I don't have that same, it's not the Caleb Jones part of this deal that, that gets me. What gets me is I wish the orders had used, you know, there's all these wingers that are available. Thomas Tatar, um, uh, Jaden Schwartz. There's lots of players available on the market this year that I think might be really interesting buys by the Oilers. And I just hope they have the money to do it now. And I think they need a goalie. And I think they're going to have, like, Linus Olmark, if they were to go after a goalie like him, he's That's not going to be cheap. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be cheap. And I just hope they have the money to do that. And they haven't used the cap space on Keith here, um, which could have been used on other players. That's my concern with this whole thing. Right. Simple as that. Right. Yeah, well, another another sort of uh, on, off the radar a little bit is that this is a with the Oilers clearly targeting Keith for their second pairing. Uh, that Oscar Kleffbaum, I mean, it seems like the you know his 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 future may be written. I mean, I saw one site suggesting now Seattle Kraken will take Kleffbaum because the Oilers won't be able to protect him. Uh, oh, that's, whether that would they wanted to me. or not, but yeah, I mean that that's uh, uh, that's as it might be. But they're moving on from Oscar Kleffbaum, getting a guy who's ten years older and costs you know thirty percent more. Is that? I mean, had a concussion uh, last last yeah. game, it locked out of the season by a concussion. Duncan Keith. Hopefully, oh, hopefully he's over that. I mean, oh man. And uh, meanwhile, I mean, uh, on Oilers now, I heard uh, uh, John Shannon talking about how first thing they need to do is cut him back to 18 to 20 
minutes a night from the 23 plus he's played his entire career and yet at the same time defending that he's worth the same value that he's been getting paid his entire career for lower contribution and then uh uh, then he brought up the dreaded words that just about set me off. That, uh, that did the Oilers set need you off. To, the Oilers need <laughs> to change the culture. They need to change the culture again, David. Why we need culture change? We got, you know, let's bring on uh, Andrew Ference. Let's bring on Matt Hendricks. Let's bring on Milan Lucic. Let's move away from Taylor Hall. Let's, you know, change the culture. How many friggin' times do we have to change the culture before... The culture gets changed. I mean, what's going on with that? How could there be anything wrong with the culture when you have Connor McDavid as your captain? Unless you're, this is a, a criticism of Connor McDavid and oh, Leon Dreisaitl yeah. and Darnell Nurse, the leadership group. Is is that what they're saying that there's something wrong with these guys? Because I don't see it. I, I see driven hockey players. I'm like I honestly see see players who can improve their games in in significant ways defensively. Mm-hmm. All you know, and mm-hmm. I always thought that about McDavid and Dreisaitl, like all players, NHL hockey players, especially guys who are focused on offense, but come on. The, the owner's culture is Connor McDavid's culture at this point. And I hope there's not a problem with that. I don't think there is. Well, so Duncan Keith... Culture change, they always seem to be talking about the young, younger player set and how they need these older, reliable vet types to... But the young, yeah, the graybeards, but the younger players, you know, they keep changing and getting different people. Do none of them have the right character that they always need to have this culture change brought in by somebody from some other team who's, you know, who's had a fine career, but it's mostly in the rear view. Uh, yeah, just like if, if maybe the culture changes a coach who would have stuck with Caleb Jones a little bit more and Evan Bouchard this year. And, uh, if, I mean, if Caleb Jones turns into Jeff Petrie, Bruce, and, and I don't think he will. They're not the same player. Uh, anyway, uh, Duncan. so Duncan Keith played uh, 18 minutes a game at even strength mm-hmm. last year and two, point, uh, two and a half minutes per game on the power play. I don't think he's going to get power play time at Edmonton. So that's going to be about two and a half minutes sliced off his time right there. Yep. He played uh, two and a half minutes on the penalty kill as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to play heavily on the penalty kill. His even strength time might be down to about 16, 17, though. 16, he might lose. So, yeah, I could see him playing about 18, 19, 20 minutes, 19 or 20 minutes a game with the Oilers. Bruce, the Oilers don't need a culture change. They need a process change. Yeah. They need a better process. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is, they, and, and I, so... This this smells to me of like the tourist signing where they're going on past reputation of this player and and doing it. Now, maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe they had a scout who watched Duncan Keith every single game this year or scouts who watched him every single game, every single shift, took took great notes and gave an, a positive report on this guy and said, you know, he was dragged down by other bad players. Duncan Keith is still, he's still uh, got it. He's got it going on. He's fast. He can make plays. Um, there's something here and he's going to be worth that money to us. So maybe they have that. Let's just assume they have that positive report on Duncan Keith. Here's what I think they don't have. The Oilers themselves, Dave Tippett makes his decisions based on scoring chance analytics. He breaks down every game. They break down the video of every single game so they know who's contributing to chances for, who's making mistakes on chances against. 
they have that number on their own team. They think it is essential to to make judgments about their own players, players they see every single day, but they still want to have those analytics. But do they have that analytics, Bruce, on every other NHL team? Or do they have hmm. other in-depth, highly granular analytics that dig into the individual play of players? So they can compare Duncan Keith, this glowing assessment they have of Duncan Keith, they can compare that to the analytical report of his individual play in Chicago. Right. And then they can compare that 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 glowing report of Duncan Keith and the analytics they have of Duncan Keith to every other left shot D-man in the NHL. Do they have that kind of individual thing on zone breakouts, on zone break-ins, on um, block passes in the def- in the defensive zone, which is Sports Logic reported on Duncan Keith? This is the process that they, I, th- I think, Bruce, are missing. And, you know, they, they could then compare those kind of individual analytics to the on-ice numbers, to the shot metrics numbers, and try to make sense of sense of it all. Or are they just going on? <laughs> My fear is that they don't even have, like, the, like, the strong scouting report. I hope they got the strong scouting report. And, and, and they're going on that. Because mm-hmm. apparently with Kyle Turris, they didn't even go on that. They, 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 had, they had the scouting report saying, don't stay away from this guy. And they went on kind of what they, what uh, apparently, fact check me if I'm wrong on this, someone out there, they apparently went on what Dave Tippett thought of the player based on having him as a checking line center on the on a Team Canada World Championship team from a few years pre- previous. That weeks. process is broken. It is mm-hmm. a broken process the Oilers went on with Turris. Mm-hmm. And if this, pro- this strikes me as broken process again, Bruce, and I'm, that's my big fear of this, not culture process they they're getting it wrong they're not they're not doing the right work to make trades correctly yeah well analytics is a dirty word david it seems like and and i mean ken holland paraphrasing something that he said is you know whether his analytics department has 10 people in it or one person in it at the end of the day you got a report from them that you consider and it's you know it seemed to be just downplaying it so much and now here are two uh, folks with analytical bents that posted tweets with uh, charts associated with them showing a large number of categories, Duncan Keith, uh, even fence, offense, even strength, defense, power play, penalty kill, finishing, uh, quality competition, teammates in this one report. The other one, uh, shooting, playmaking, percentage, play driving, penalties, hitting, puck transfers, power. I mean, lots of different ways of looking into it. And the first of them is Jay Fresh Hockey. And these are both neutral people. I don't really care plus or minus about the Oilers, near as I can tell. Uh, Jay Fresh Hockey says, Duncan Keith traded to Edmonton has put up hideous results for the past several seasons in a steady decline consistent with a player in his late 30s. The Oil are praying that a smaller role will spark a huge improvement. It's a major gal- gamble. And then Jeff Villette, uh, Toronto um, bloggers, uh, Duncan Keith has had a Hall of Fame career and is one of the best defensemen of his generation. But, He's 38 now, and the aging curves have come for him in recent years. In a league where the good teams pay for present and future, not past, paying assets for him today is baffling. Where does Jay Fresh get those numbers? Like that kind of in, like that kind of gr- highly granular look at individual players. If he's getting that da- data, like hats off to him. I don't know where he's generating it from, mm-hmm. but that's that sounds like really interesting information. Um, yeah that i don't know if it's, is it publicly available is there 
Is there a site that three year yeah. weighted three year weighted average data expressed as percentile wins above replacement quality of competition teammates from top down ha- hockey? Yeah, that's uh, but these are based on shot metrics usually. So W yeah worse that so the the numbers that interested me were the where there were some interesting things you said there I'll have to go back and look at that Bruce. yeah that was more under the second one was Jeff Fillette's tweet and it had uh, uh, let me bring it up no it's the first one that, that, that you you said from Jay Fresh that had all, all those interesting shooting playmaking percentages play driving yeah. relative what is that? this is all Jeff Fillette from uh, puck oh. transfers uh, giveaways. Giveaways, takeaways, transfers, uh, uh, power play, penalty kill, goals above replacement, deployment, and lots of uh, lots of red, which is you know below average, and not a lot of blue, which is above average, which is you know just from the you color coding. You get a quick glimpse all? of it. Does he give his source? Uh, this one says all stats five on five stats via hockey viz, evolving hockey, puck IQ, natural stat trick. So, you know, those are all high-end uh, uh, analytic like, type sites. Some of them are good. Like I, like I noticed uh, Natural Statric once has a has a stat for like rushing rushing the puck. Yeah, yeah. Not and I, and like, it's like way off. I, it they had no like sense. McDavid middle middle of the league and it's like, are you serious? Yeah. You're going to post this on your site? That Connor uh, that, McDavid's that one category is league nice. average for rushing the puck. So again, like I'm not but, sure about where these stats come from or how valid they are. And I... And until I know that, I don't put weight in this these kinds of numbers. I, I need there's to. A hundred, if there's a hundred different categories, and they're all generally saying the same thing, you got to start to go. Hmm. Well, I go home. Good. Yeah, I agree, Bruce. <laughs> like points is an individual stat, right? It's a durable <laughs> stat. That's that's pretty good proxy for puck moving, offensive production. It's just even strength point production. It's 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 not bad. You don't have to go much far further than that. You have to be careful. But if you see a, a trend, a major downward trend in an older player, you, if you're not paying attention to that, like, what are you doing? No. Like, even that, like, that's just basic. That's like, you know, every, that's been around for a, more than 100 years. Two, more than, a, like, I think about 100. And they first started counting points in like 140 years ago. If you're not looking at Duncan Keith's point per, points, you know, per 60, you're asleep at the wheel. And anyway... Maybe they had, maybe they had this great data and scouting process that said, ah, oh, we don't have to worry about his points per sixty. It's he's he's good. He's good to go, and he's going to be good here. Yeah, and Ken Holland, Bruce, he has had success, has he not, with some older defensemen? I mean, he's made a lot, a lot, a lot of trades for older defensemen over the years. Typically at the uh, trade deadline, I gave you a long list of I think a dozen different defensemen that he picked up over the years that were all in, you know in their 30s and you know Merrick Zidlicki, 38 years old as as one example or, you know Mike Green 34 years old as another you know basically done when they got him now Duncan Keith by all reports he's a training monster and he's in fabulous uh, physical condition but 38 is not the new 28 <sighs> Speck also mentions the dollar aspect of it, Mark mm-hmm. Spector. Yeah. Let me just uh, find his. Uh... Okay, Mark Spector, uh, who writes for uh, Sportsnet, is on TV. So, no, he quote, so no salary retained by Chicago. Of the $11.1 million cap hit remaining, there is only 30, $3.6 million owed to the player. Mm-hmm. 
I know fans don't care about that, but after a pair of money losing seasons, that's the kind of salary retention that means much to NHL owners, unquote. So this, this, some fans will portray this kind of talk as carrying water for the owners, like making excuses for a better. I don't think that's, I, I think that that's not fair in some ways. Mm-hmm. If, an, if to someone who probably lost around $50 million last year, right. um, <laughs> I think it's easy to say, that that's not important until until you've lost fifty million dollars right. on your on your uh, on your hockey team. So if that's the explanation, um, it would be good for Cates to say that. It would be good for him to say, "Hey, things have changed here with this team. We're going to be, you know, it might be good to be rather than ha- like because we're just speculating. I don't know if Spec's speculating on this or not, but I am. Be good to know What's for sure. Spec and speculation, indeed. <laughs> Oh, but this is, yeah, I mean, I made the same point, but the other way on the James Neal Lucic trade that the Oilers, uh, you know, were saving Calgary real cash in that trade. And I thought Holland could have leveraged that for a better deal that he didn't do. So at this point, uh, I mean, if you're Daryl Cates paying your GM the highest salary of any GM in the league, reportedly, you got to be scratching your head a little bit, but. I mean, I don't, don't want to get inside of Daryl Cates' head. I don't think I could. But uh, from a distance, it kind of, kind of makes you scratch, makes me scratch my head. Let's put it that way. Indeed. Indeed. Final comments, Bruce? Final thoughts? Well, go Duncan Keith. I mean, he, he, the only way this trade possibly works out for the Oilers is if Keith comes here with a bee in his bonnet and closer to his son and all those reasons that Edmonton should have had the leverage in the deal because he, he really picked his target. Uh, you know, he he needs to perform and outperform and be the leader that everybody says that he is and, and uh, uh, play well. I mean, being mad at Duncan Keith and, and because you don't like the trade, hating on Duncan Keith is never the answer. You know, you give the new guy when he comes in, you give him, even if he's an old guy, to us, he's a new guy. You give him every chance to to uh, to earn his stripes in this locale, and you you know you respect the uh, the past career that he has. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think the price that's been paid, and this is mighty dear, and I'm overall not very happy with the uh, uh, with the exchange. Yeah. I'm a, some some fans are saying they're kind of numb. Yeah. I guess I'm in that category. I'm just yeah. still processing it a little bit. I mean, I I I can't uh, I I can't figure out why this deal was made. Uh, I hope it works out. And and I'll I'll second what you said, Bruce. Mm-hmm. Go Duncan Keith. I hope that he does have a a renaissance. And I hope that uh, the order's process isn't as broken as I fear that it is, and that they got this right. Um, so. Um, and, and again, I don't know how, how broken it is and I don't know about Duncan Keith. So I, I guess I'm approaching it from that, that there's a lot of things that I don't know about this. So I'm going to, I withhold some of my wrath for the moment. Oh. I want to see Duncan Keith in order sweater. I want to see him play on this team. And, um, and then I'll, then I'll know more than I know now and, and have something to say then, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's any, like any transaction, the day that it happens, you can't predict the future. You can just go on the information that you have on the to the present. And the information I have right now says that this was a low percentage bet by the Edmonton Oilers. 
but it, it's not a no percentage bet. I mean, he could, um, uh, you know, come in and contribute. And it's only, you know, it's only two years, but I mean, geez, we've been carrying on this. We've had this. We finally, Oilers finally got uh, through the Chris Russell four-year four million cap hit after they got through the Nick Schultz four-year four million cap hit after they got through the Andrew Ference four-year four million dollar cap hit. You know, and they they've always have this old defenseman that's seemingly overpaid for what he can bring, and now they've just upped the ante with a five and a half million dollar even older defenseman than those other guys I just named. Here's the bright side. Baseball. It's only if if it goes bad. If it goes bad, it's just two years. It's not four mm-hmm. or five years. It's just two years. Okay. Mm-hmm. The Oilers, you know, at this point, Caleb Jones, at least with the Oilers, it, it wasn't happening. It wasn't going on. It's really. I'm 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 glad for Caleb Jones. I think he needed a change of scenery. I really hope he he turns into the player that I think he that I was thinking he could be. I was pretty sure he was going to be. Uh, so. You know, the, but right now, in terms of the Oilers, they're not. Caleb Jones didn't factor into their future, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So, you take that for what it's worth. But I don't like the draft pick at all. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's that's. If it had been Ka- just Caleb Jones, injury man. If it had just been Caleb Jones for Duncan Keith straight up, I would have been a a lot happier about this. But that's that really that bothers me. But Another again, it's just two years of Duncan Keith. If it doesn't work out, Caleb Jones wasn't going to be part of their future. So this isn't this isn't a backbreaking like if if this is a mistake, Bruce, it's probably not a backbreaking mistake. Um, but um, it's well, it, go ahead. They won't be signing Jamie Alexic now this summer, will they? You know, I mean, there's there's other options that they had out there that would have cost them zero in assets other than you know signing a free agent. That that's. I think they I, look. To, I I do think like I mean Stoffer's been saying this on Oilers now, hinting strongly. Alexiak's got his backdoor deal with Dallas. He's going to sign after the expansion draft. So I don't think Alexiak. I would have liked Jamie Alexiak a lot in in with the Edmonton Oilers. I just think he would have been. That would have been a move that would have been really exciting because he's he's this great big guy who can skate and pass the puck a bit, and he's heading. He, he's he's heading into his 30s, but man, he mm-hmm. players that big who who have some game, they can play for a long time in the NHL. So that would have been exciting. I agree, but I don't think that was to be. He's, he's he's sticking in Dallas. And one other name that we didn't mention yet, Adam Larson. Uh, any talk that Oilers were going to sign him and protect him for the expansion draft is out the window. Now their now their new window is signing him after the Seattle process and and before i guess even during uh full free agency but it sounds like he's going to check out the market i hope that's just smoke i hope that's not fire no. because i adam larson is such a good hockey player and the orders need him next year i hope they work that out as well bruce well, let... duncan keith might be a decent pair if they you know if they brought him back but maybe. yeah <laughs> I guess we won't see Chris Russell on the top four, like I was uh, worried about. Yeah. Uh, we got Darnell Nurse, and, Darnell Nurse and Duncan Keith. All right, Bruce. Let's. Uh, I'm. You know, we were hoping for hoping for something to talk about. Well, we got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe not what we wanted. Watch what you wish for. We were hoping for the best, and it turned out like always. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for talking, Bruce. Thanks for listening, everyone.
And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>